0: Everyone, thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church, and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at citylightsindy. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. Uh, glad that you are here. Uh, excited to see that none of you got swept away to the land of Oz and the storm and the winds. Uh, Last night, I was a little bit nervous uh, that Mary Poppins was coming into town. Uh, There's a lot of howling winds, uh, and some of you know that I've talked about my lovely, beautiful maple tree that's in front of our house that I I lovingly call Ruby. She is just bright and red, and now she's naked. Um, All... All of her leaves had just blown away. We actually, like I went out on Friday with uh, my boys and we were raking up leaves and clearing out. And it's just the funny thing about fall is, you know, we raked it and I was feeling good and I was waiting for Kelly to get home. She'd left for a little bit, run errands, and she got back and, you know, they keep falling. Uh, So it didn't really look like anything happened, but I promised her, honey, we have the bags to prove it. Um, but anyway, glad that you're here with us. We uh, are in our third week of a series called First Fruits, uh, which I, I've really enjoyed us talking about um, how we can walk in biblical generosity in the area of our talent, uh, our treasure, and our time, and really specifically what is what? how do we honor God, how do we worship the Lord with our resources, with our finances, and The first week, we laid this foundation of what really is giving first fruits. This can be a term that we use in the church, it can be a religious term that we have heard before, but we can maybe lack some of the understanding of what it means. And truly, first fruits is about giving the first fruits, it's the first and the best of what God has blessed us with. It's giving our first and our best, the first and the best of our resources. It's an act of worship. It's an act of obedience. God, who is the giver of all things, who is the provider of all things, we see this pattern beginning even in Genesis where there is this pattern of presenting to God our best because he is worthy of it, because he is the king of kings, because he is the provider, and it's not just an act of obedience. It's also an attitude of appreciation and adoration. God doesn't want just us to give out of the law. He doesn't want us just to give because we have to. There's a dynamic where he's looking at hearts that belong to him. Do you hear me this morning? And so it's not just about the amount, it's about the attitude. Last week, Dr. Tony brought a great word. Can we give Dr. Tony a hand? We so appreciate, so grateful to have him in our midst. Uh, And we're just praying for healing and, and, and restoration over Nebraska and, and just the season, the, the travail that's going on there. He's a Nebraska fan, so we just pray for Dr. Tony. Uh, but he brought a word, and he really identified kind of some of the personas that we can walk under when it comes to trusting God with our finances. He talked about the, the spender and the saver, uh, the struggler. And, and also uh, those that can be a skeptic or a cynic, cynical when it comes to uh, giving and trusting God when it comes to giving in tithes and offerings. And really what he got down to is this sense that God reminds us, particularly in the passage that we looked at last week, that we can trust him. He knows what we need. There's not a day that is added to our lives by being anxious about it, but we can trust and rely on God And he will provide. This week, we want to just kind of continue in that same spirit of trust and surrender. Would you turn with me to 2 Corinthians? We're going to read in chapter 8, beginning verse 1. This is Paul speaking. He says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can attest, testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God of more than enough. That you did not pour out your love sparingly. Lord, I'm thankful that you did not pour out your grace in a stingy way. But you have over and above poured yourself out towards us. You are an extravagant God that loves extravagantly. And Lord, I ask that you would help us, Lord, even as we embrace your love and we cry out for your grace and we cry out for your heart of mercy and forgiveness. Lord, I pray that we would also walk in your heart of generosity. That you would work in us in such a way that not only we would be blessed, but the nations would be blessed. Because we are yours. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Gabby. So I have had a lot of different jobs in my life. All right. And pretty much if you go to, there's a lot of places. Like when I go downtown, I am reminded of how many jobs I've had by the number of places that employed me that I will pass as I go to various and sundry activities downtown. Uh, I, I kind of got my first job. It was actually, you know, out of... Um, uh, I, love, I love my dad, but my dad was being frugal, and he would cut our hair, and sometimes our haircuts were unique, <laughs> okay? Uh, he, would, he would tell us, he would say, you know, I'd say, Dad, why, is, what, why does my hair look like this? And he would say... What are you talking about? You don't, just, you don't look like everybody else. You are special. You are unique. You are creative. i like, Dad, I want to be like everybody else when it comes to the hair situation. Now, what I didn't really understand was the intricacies of having mixed hair. It didn't always work like everybody else. If you're raising mixed kids, praying for you. <laughs> uh, but I remember one day my dad said, "Well, if you want to you get your hair cut, you can get your own money. Haircut money. You can get your own money. And cut your own hair. And I remember when he said that, I was like, wait, what? That's all we have to do? Is get money and we can go get our hair cut? So, so I'd cut some lawns, rake leaves. Whatever season was, that was my enterprise. And uh, But I had some other jobs. I'd get other jobs and, and I worked. I, I swept the floor at a dog obedience school that's not even there anymore off of uh, 38th in Illinois. Uh, but I remember I got my first um, one of my first jobs that I got, one of my first legit jobs was working at Johnny Rockets in Circle Center Mall downtown. And uh, I was a bus boy and man, you couldn't tell me nothing. I mean, I was balling a little 14 and a half year old, had my work permit from Lawrence Central, got, got, got my little work permit going. I went over there and you know, I, I, I liked going around the mall, but a lot of times, you know, you just, especially if you don't have a job, you don't have money, you're just kind of looking at things that you don't have, and just the spirit of covetousness comes over you quickly. Uh, but I used to love going over to the finish line. Like, when that mall first came out, I would go over to the finish line, and i look at all these things, and checking them out, and just visualizing myself in, 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 in these shoes, and the track suits, and all that. And uh, so I started making a little bit of money. I was a busboy, so, you know... Y'all, we know. I wasn't balling, but I get these tips. And uh, I, I felt like Scrooge McDuck counting my tips in my little room as a 14-year-old. And I didn't have a bank account, but I did have a couple Quaker Oats boxes that I would take my money after I divided it into different, you know, ones go here, fives go here, tens go here. I didn't see many 20s during that time, but I did have a baggie by faith just for them. Um and I'd put them in my Quaker Oats box, and then I'd, I had like a little cutout hole in my closet that went to a crawl space that I don't think it was supposed to be for a savings account, but it was. Uh, and so I'd count my little money like Scrooge McDuck. If I could have swam in it, I would have, but I didn't really make enough uh, to swim in it. Um, but there was this track suit at Finish Line, y'all. It was a Nike track suit. It was fly. And uh, it, was like, it, was most, it was like mostly white, had a little bit of blue, a little bit of red in it, kind of had that white, red, white, and blue thing, and it looked perfect with these shoes that I wanted to get. And, and I had this vision, you know, so I would go and I'd count my money. I'd get my little tips from Johnny Rockets. You know, if you ever went to Johnny Rockets, they like to sing and dance for you while you get your food. And so I would sing extra with some extra gusto because I needed those extra tips so I could get my little tracksuit. So I'd count, and I'd count, and I'd count. And I knew my parents taught me to tithe when I was little. So, I, you know, God got his little 10% cut off the top. So I'd put my little cut on the side. But then the rest, that was all mine. Because I had to get this tracksuit, y'all. So I started counting it. And I remember finally getting to that day where I had just enough. Not just to get the tracksuit, but to get the shoes to match. I was trying to get that drip, trying to get it right, right, get it right. So I go, y'all, I was feeling like Dave Ramsey, cash only today, folks. I mean, I walked into that. You couldn't tell. I'm telling you, when I walked into that finish line, you'd have thought I was, like, balling. I walk up there. He said, how do you want to pay for this, sir? Oh, I got cash. So I bring out my ones. (laughs) And, man... So I get my tracksuit, wearing my tracksuit, looking fly. Got my shoes on, looking fly. Go out, first day, get mud all over them. Ruined! They were ruined. What I realized was I had this attitude that because my parents had trained me, because I grew up in church, like I was gonna give God us 10%. But I realized I really wasn't walking in generosity because whatever else I had, it was going to something that I had my mind on, whether it was a track suit, a pair of shoes, sometimes it was food. Like, we, I'm the oldest of seven, so like... You didn't always get seconds. Like seconds were not promised to anyone. And so there were times when I started making a little money. Pizza Hut had a $10. You could buy a large for $10. And I would go buy that thing, order it, and sit on the porch with my little pizza. And my siblings would come up and be like, hey, John, John, hey, uh, can we have some of that pizza? And I'd be like, uh, <laughs> I mean, what you got? What you got? What you working with? I was stingy, y'all, stingy over some pizza, but it was this sense of control. It's mine. I was like the little bird, the birds on Finding Nemo. Mine, 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 mine. Whereas this sense that, you know, I, I kind of like I'm, I'm by the law maybe generous, but really in my heart, like I want what's mine. And it's this sense of control, and it's this sense of, of, of tr- this uh, illusion of control and and the older I got, you know that was back when i just i didn't have any bills i wasn't paying for my rent, I wasn't paying for gas, I was just you know whatever I wanted that's what I got, but then you get older and you start paying bills, and now you have other things that are taking up some of that space, and now you know i'm, I'm for the most part i'm trying to like maybe make sure that I'm not stealing and robbing from God, but i'm still getting to the end of the day, taking care of what I want, what my needs are, what I've got planned in my brain. And so if somebody else had a need or somebody else needed it's kind of like, uh, I don't have enough. I-, I-, I don't have enough. Because I had a mentality that, God, that's yours. This is mine. And the reality is this is even more so most of us. I would say not even just most, you know, unchurched people. People in the church, if we're honest, have a mentality that everything we have, it's mine, and I might give God a tip. And it's completely the false mindset that God has called us to have. And I would even take it a step further. Some of you, and I'm thankful for you, but some of you and some of us, because I was like this, that have grown up in the church and we tithe We have a lot more in common with the scribes and the Pharisees that persecuted Jesus than the heart of Jesus. Even in our religiosity, God is not just after an amount, He's after our hearts, He's after our attitudes, and He's after our all. Thank you. Y'all can clap on that, that's okay. Sometimes you don't clap. Because it's getting cut and processing. That's okay too. That's okay. But He's after our all. And He's especially, oh, I love this about God. He's especially after the part that we don't think we have enough of or that we have told ourselves it's just not anything that you want, God. It's not enough. Can I tell you that the God of more than enough will take all of your not enough and make it more? Then enough. That's who he is. But it will require trust and it will require sacrifice. Uh, go ahead and turn to Luke 20. What we see here, Jesus, is, this is actually, I, I want to preach a whole another series Uh and I know that somebody made a series called Savage Jesus. I got to figure out a new title or something. I might just use that. But, y'all, if you want to see Jesus just like raw Jesus, watch him deal with religious folk. It is beautiful. I'm just like, it, it's it's really masterful. Jesus does not play with these folks. Uh, we see him where... <laughs> You know, it's, this is after the triumphant entry, after all the hosannas and the palm branches, and Jesus is spending time speaking into the temple, and there are amazing amounts of crowds coming to hear what he has to say. And the Pharisees, the, the chief priests, the scribes, the elders, uh, they were not very happy about this. They were not happy about it because he was really challenging their authority, and he was calling out, calling them out about a lot of their false piety and their showy imitation religion, and he was calling them into true relationship and wholehearted surrender. He was exposing the lie. He was presenting the truth of what this should look like and really busting up every religious construct. Now, I do want to give this caveat because of the culture that we live in and even much of the the early church is we need to understand that there is true orthodoxy and doctrine that we can build our lives on, and then there's also the spirit of religion that looks like relationship with Jesus, but is really about a bunch of human constructs. Do you hear what I'm saying? So what I'm saying, pastor, is not saying we can't trust religious leaders or leaders of theology and orthodoxy. We we can trust God's word, and it is a great responsibility and it is an honor to be a pillar of truth. And at the same time, we also have a responsibility to evaluate and assess how much have our cultural uh, norms invaded the scripture and made it into more our image rather than us becoming his image. Y'all hear me? Okay. So Jesus is... about this life like he is all about butt busting this up so so the Pharisees they're getting upset a lot of these jokers they are all about the minimum requirement for piety right so they're giving I'm giving my percent we give our percentage we do we know we know the scriptures and so they think they're gonna trip Jesus up they're gonna talk to him about taxes and about Caesar so they send a couple people to be like spies to kind of, you know, plant them in the audience to throw Jesus off. And uh, they, they try to act all smart. It says uh, in verse 22, uh, chapter 20, verse 22, Oh, Jesus, <laughs> uh, you, you might know me. <laughs> I'm the religious guy in the back, got the nice robe. Boop. That was not directly in the scripture. That's additional. Verse 22 It says, Is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? Right? So they're trying to give him what they think is the aha gotcha question. Now, what you need to understand in the temple at the time is people were coming to present their offerings, and he's speaking to a primarily Jewish community that is very familiar not only with the customs of the Hebrews and the followers of Yahweh, but also the oppression. Of Caesar, And so Jesus, it says, but he perceived their craftiness. It's like him saying, I see you. I see you. You ain't fooling nobody. And he says to them, show me a denarius. Now, just like our money, the denarius at the time had the picture of the Caesar, of the ruler at the time. So he says, hand me a coin. He says, uh, whose likeness and inscription does it have? And so they said, I mean, it's Caesar's. And so he says to them, Then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they were not able, in the presence of the people, to catch him in what he said. What is that saying? Is What they really wanted to do is they just wanted to take him. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to get him out of the situation. But they understood that they could not amongst all the people that were there because it would expose them and expose their hearts for the reality. But it says this, but marveling at his answer, they became silent. Have you ever been in an argument with somebody and you thought they got them and then they dropped such a truth bomb that you know that they're right but you are mad and you're like, I'm going to get you later though. That's what happened because what did Jesus say? Here they are trying to be, you know, the, the... uh, all about the law, all about, you know, th- their hearts, their attitudes were not generous. They, were just, they would give things just to make sure that they were giving just enough, just the bare minimum, and yet they enjoyed walking around with their lavish robes and exploiting their privilege and exploiting their situation even among widows. What Jesus was saying is, you are coming up to me as though you are really doing something, and yet... What you're doing, you don't give God a tax. You give him your life. He said the thing that bears Caesar's image, you give that to Caesar. You give him your little coins. But everyone that was listening to him was very well aware that God had created man in the image of God. And so he's saying everything that bears the image of God, you give that to God. So I don't want your little coins. I want your life. How does that work? Man, they didn't want to hear that. I love Jesus making these bold statements. See you're 10 percent? You ever squabbling over over 10 percent, or what percentage you're going to give? I'm calling you to give all of your life. I'm calling you to surrender everything. We've got a, God wants to set us free from that seagull mind, 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 mind mentality. Because it's in that place where we're not truly giving him our heart. We're actually just trying to give him his cut because we think that's what he's after. We're just going through the religious motions and the the religious duty to get by and just have enough. I love the way David puts it in the Psalms. as He says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Everything you see belongs to God. Everything you have belongs to God. Everything that you are came from and belongs to him. So why is it so hard? Why is it so hard for us to surrender and to trust him? I think part of it, there's there's some different reasons. I think some of it, is because really at the heart of it, we still are Lord of our life. We still want to be in control. We still have this thing in us that is drawn to the deception of the serpent that came after our first parents, that we don't want to just be like God. We want to be God. We don't want to, it's not enough for us to be in the image of God. We want to have it controlled. Now, I think that there's also a dynamic where many times we don't surrender our all to God. I'm not just talking about our money, I'm talking about our time, talking about our energy, our talent. We don't surrender it to God because we're afraid that we might not get it back. Or we're afraid we've maybe experienced lack in different areas and in different seasons. And so we feel like, well, we don't trust God. We don't really know God as provider. And so we just cling and we hold tightly to everything we have because I don't know if it's going to come back. God wants you to know that he is a trustworthy God. He is a God that cares for us. He provides for us. If you have not already, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast from last week. Dr. Tony did an incredible job of unpacking that that scripture and unpacking that reality that the God who clothes the birds of the air and the lilies of the valley and actually causes the grass to rise and yet it withers and will die again. He cares for us. He cares for us. And even though we might belittle or we think we don't have enough to be generous, can I tell you, if you don't embrace and surrender and trust God in the area of generosity, you'll never have enough to be generous. It's a myth. A lot of times we'll say, well, you know, if I I start making this or if I get this promotion or if I'll do that, then I'll be generous. No, you won't. Because it's not about an amount. It's about an attitude and a posture. And whatever you bring to the Lord, when you truly surrender your all to the Lord, he will take whatever you think is not enough and multiply it. We see this throughout Scripture. I, I, I think about it, you know, even from Abraham. When you think when Abraham, before he was Abraham, when he was Abram, and he was long in his years. And Sarai, when she was long in her years, and they and here God is telling them, look at the stars in the sky. This will be your inheritance. And Sarah is barren. Her womb is old and barren. And Abram is old. And he's thinking, what? Are you, are you kidding me? Is this a joke? And God is calling them to trust in hope against hope. And out of them with giving God the whatever years that they thought were not enough to be able to have an inheritance as great as the stars, God took they're not enough, and He made it more than enough and His blessed the nations, and we're blessed because of it. I think of the widow who her and her son had just enough oil and just enough flour to make a cake so that they could eat it and die. And yet God sends a prophet to them that is hungry and says, God has told me that you are going to make me some food. And she's like, we don't have enough. We just have enough to make a loaf and eat it and die. And he calls them to trust God all the more they do it. And not only do they have that meal, but they have such abundance that they and their household were blessed. I think about the time where God came to a young teenage girl who was in a small rural village and he's coming to her and saying, you are going to bring about the savior of the universe. And she's thinking to herself, what Why aren't you going to to more affluent people? Why aren't you coming from someone of a greater line? And yet the angel understands that, oh, my dear, you're part of a greater line than you even understand. And what I'm going to do for you is blessed. And what does she say? God, just be it it done to me. She gave what seems so little and so insignificant, and yet God birthed the Savior through her. I think of a young boy who in the midst of a multitude of over 5,000 was hearing Jesus speak and proclaim truth. And just like many of us and some of you right now is thinking, what are we going to eat for lunch? He was like, I don't know about y'all, but my mama packed my lunch. I'm having loaves and fishes. <laughs> and yet, in a moment, where there was a need, knowing in the natural that what he had was not enough to feed and satisfy those that were there. In the natural, that lunch that little boy had was not enough to even feed the apostles. I love that he didn't give just like a loaf and a fish or like half a loaf. Can y'all take like half a loaf? I mean, if you can multiply this, I mean, surely you can take a half loaf and make it a whole loaf. He gave all that he had, knowing that all that he had in the natural wasn't enough. I know I'm not the only person that has come to these places in different seasons of my life where you look in the natural at all that you have, and you know that what you have in lieu of all the needs that are around you is not enough. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only person that sat down with my wife looking at the upcoming month's bills and the medical bills we didn't know we were going to have to pay and the car bills that we didn't know we were going to have to pay and the grocery bill that we know we're going to have to pay. And yet looking at what's coming in and knowing in the natural we don't have enough. And yet, God calling us to trust him. God calling us to surrender. God calling us to sacrifice. While Jesus is here in the synagogue and he's just got finished <laughs> given the scribes a nice little two-piece and a biscuit. Not a literal two-piece and a biscuit. He just gave him the business. There was another person that caught his attention. In chapter 21, it says, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts in the offering box. Verse 2, it says, and he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. This was about the equivalent of like half a penny. He said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. It's not about the amount. God is after our hearts. And he's after our hearts because he knows that it's only with a people who are wholly his that he can use to not only bless you, but he wants to bless the nations. Do you know that that was your original design, was not that you would just be blessed, not that we would just be a blessed people, but we would be a blessed people that bless the earth. The God of more than enough has desired, and, and, and his heart is that we would walk in his blessing. What does that mean? Does that mean we all get the car we want, and the house we want, and the jet we want, and the life we want? No, it doesn't. It's not about the material things. It's that God wants us to be blessed. Yes, does God bless us with nice things? Yes, he does. But you know what? He's sovereign and there's all kinds of situations. Just because you don't have the car you thought you were going to have doesn't mean you're not blessed. Y'all hear me? Just because you can't go on two vacations doesn't mean you're not blessed. Some of you are on an involuntary vacation right now and just receive it as such, right? He's going to take care of you. But the point is that God placed us in in this city, and he wants us to get this revelation because he's not after your 10%. He's after your life. Because he wants this city to be blessed because you're in it. He wants our state to be blessed because we're in it. And not just because we're awesome, but because we come before him and say, God... In lieu of all the needs, in lieu of all just, when I look at my family and just our needs, let alone anybody else's, but in lieu of all that, I just, I I surrender myself to you. I'm not just going to give you a cut, but Lord, I actually want to present not just the 10, but the 90 and say, God, How would you have us sow this seed? Not just eat it, consume it, but say, God, here is what you've blessed us with. Here is the time that you've blessed us with. How do we need to sow it? If you have a family, some of that time needs to be invested in that family. That means some of the things, the other things that we can add quickly, 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 we've got to trim so that we can sew appropriately led by the Spirit. Your talent, your skills, your ability. How is God calling you to use it? Like, man, I can do this, I can do this, I can have all these streams of income, da 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 It's great to be wise and to be shrewd businessmen and women. But are we motivated and compelled by our own ambition or led by the Spirit and motivated and compelled by the kingdom and his love? It's about bringing it all to him. And even when we think that what we have is not enough or wouldn't even put a dent in the need, if we will just trust him, if you will just trust him, I know that he will produce a great harvest. Some of you have heard me share this story before. It's about four years back when God had kind of just finally given us every word and every confirmation that we were supposed to plant a church, but I was really terrified. And You know, I was like, okay, I I can't deny that you've given us this call, but God, how is this going to work? We don't have any team members yet. I've got some family. I don't know if they're going to come or not come. I've got some friends. I don't know what they're going to do. And quite frankly, at that time, I was still trying to convince Kelly to come. Like, I don't know. She's like, who's going to pay for it? Where are we going to go? I was like, I don't know. It's just God. And I was in our office slash guest room and kind of stressing out about it. And I'll never forget as I'm just praying and, and I, well, I'll actually demystify de- and spiritualize it. I was worrying at my desk. All of a sudden, my little door cracked and Aaron walked in, my son, my second son. And he handed me his dollar bill Said, hey dad, I want to help with the move. In the natural, that dollar was not enough for us to buy a speaker, for a, to pay for our moving expenses. It wasn't enough to buy Connect cards or baby wipes for city kids or curriculum or even a Bible. But in the supernatural, God was taking not enough and using it to produce a faith and a courage that would produce multiple thousands of dollars of giving and offering and support to help birth this church and other churches. Even since we've been planted, we've been able to sow into other church plants. Even from the beginning, before we had our first service, we've been able to sow into the nations. And every time we're able to give, I cannot do it without rem- remembering what seemed like not enough, being sown wholeheartedly and with such a pure heart. And I say, God, I want to walk in that generosity God wants to work a miracle in your life God wants to work in us this is not some off kilter if you want to put it in quotes prosperity gospel this is our kingdom mandate y'all there's even levels of this. Part of our call as a church is City of Lights, and I believe in 2020, for those of you who aren't familiar with this, God, part of our vision and call is to cultivate worship in the arts. Part of our long-term vision is to be a house where we are reproducing and training up and sending out worship leaders and also using the arts to serve the community and to bring kingdom transformation through the creativity that God himself introduced himself in when he started this whole thing. And I can look over to the vision and see all of the things that I believe that God wants to do in having a great facility with multiple classrooms and dance rooms and a black box theater and and be able to put on all kinds of productions. And when I see that, And then I look at where we are. I just go, oh, we do not have enough. Yet. But I believe we're going to take some of our first steps in 2020. In December, we're going to take up a special offering, not just for that, but to better serve the why here. To serve some of the needs of those around us in our community and our benevolence offering. And what I'm believing for is that it's not going to be something we're trying to conjure people up. We're trying to just, with smooth speech and a great pad and great keyboard player, which you're doing a great job, Gabby, by the way. Try to conjure dollars out. No, no, no. What I'm asking is, I'm asking us to be a people who are not just celebrated and recognized by however much we write, but say lord how would you want me to use me and i know that whatever that we offer to him he's going to multiply it and he's going to use us in a beautiful way bow your heads with your heads bowed i want to read 2nd corinthians And I kind of want you to just hear it as I speak it over you, and then I'm going to pray this blessing over you. Paul is saying, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Two things that don't seem to go together. An abundance of joy and extreme poverty that add up to an overflow of wealth and generosity. In verse 3, it says, For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, uh, for their own accord, begging us earnestly for favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Heavenly Father, as I pray over this, your great people, Lord, I pray that you would reveal your abundant goodness, your faithfulness, your grace, your love, and that you would overwhelm us with this revelation. Because I believe, God, that so often we can hold and we can draw close and we can kind of guard like the dragon's smile. We can guard our treasure because we have an image of what you might be like, but we truly haven't seen you and known you. Lord, I pray for those right now who are particularly in the what seems like the vice grip financially. Maybe you've taken a hit with multiple bills or you got laid off and it's lasted longer than you thought it would. I want you to know that you are not forgotten, that God has not abandoned you, but he's actually inviting you to trust him. See, you may have even known about him or heard about him growing up, being around church, and yet maybe you've even thrown a couple things in the pot every once in a while when it got passed by. But God wants you to know he's not after your money, he's after your heart. Would you surrender to him this morning? There's some of you in here today and God has given you actually a gift. He's actually blessed you with an entrepreneurial mind and a great mind for, uh, for gaining wealth and developing wealth. And I believe that God's going to give you a clearer vision of how he's going to utilize you and use you. And I believe that literal nations are going to be blessed by seeds that you're going to sow. Places that you may never step into physically, but you are going to have many spiritual sons and daughters as a result of your faith. And there's a lot of things. You might even have people because of some of the circles that you walked in that are going to say you're crazy for doing that. Why would you do that? You can do a lot less and still get a great tax write-off. And God wants you to know that it's not about giving to Caesar what Caesar's. It's not about oppressing your friends. It's not about getting your write-off. It's about him calling you to full-out surrender. Will you say yes to him? Lord, my prayer is that every one of us, God, that you would help draw us into your heart of generosity. Lord, would you receive our offering? Would you receive our lives, our time, our resources, the gifts that you've given us? No matter how little or how much we think we have, would you use it exponentially? heads bowed, I just, I want to call out a couple things I'm just sensing from the Lord. I just, I just want to even just encourage any young people that are in here right now. And God's giving you different interests and talents. And it seems in some ways as silly or just quote unquote extracurricular. And yet you're starting to feel like what you're doing is part of how God is actually gifted you to operate and work and create and I just want to encourage you that God sees you and he affirms you and there is a he is as you continue to steward the gifts and the abilities whether it be technical skill creative skill that as you continually trust him and go to him and allow God to shape your tower he is going to use you in ways that you would not imagine do not let anyone look down on you because of your youth God does not look down on you he took a young man with five smooth stones and made him a giant killer God will take you with your creativity and your surrender and do miraculous things Lord I thank you for what you're doing in us what you will do through us Give us the grace to trust you. Give us the grace to bring our lives as a living sacrifice to you in our act of worship. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give them praise this morning? Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget. You can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.